Our first scripture reading comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. Listen to God's word. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And our second reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. Listen again to God's word. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. And when it says he ascended, what does that mean? But that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave us were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Remember George Patton? Or at least the movie? Okay. I don't remember General Patton. I wasn't around for him. Yes, ma'am. I never watched it. You never watched it? Well, when you get older, maybe. He uses some language your mom and dad wouldn't want you to use. Trust me. But one of the things that Patton was famous for is having an army and making sure they knew not to stop. You attack. This famous line, we're not, don't tell me you're holding the line. We're not holding anything. You attack. Always moving forward. And most of the time it worked. So he couldn't have been a bad commander. He was offered the service of the 561st Tank Battalion. And he turned it down. And that 561st was assigned to a different army. And it went and fought with a different army and became, on an individual level and a unit level, the most decorated unit and individuals in World War II. He passed up a good opportunity. 
And he passed it up because the 561st was made of black soldiers. And he didn't want them because they can't fight, according to Patton. Boy, was he wrong. Although I don't think you'd ever get him to admit it. Patton was never wrong. But sometimes we think that same way. Maybe leave the racism aside. We make decisions based on our preconceived notions about who people are and about who we are. Yes, you have preconceived notions about who you are. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God does not agree with you. Think about Matthew the tax collector. Jesus is walking along and here's Matthew the tax collector. And oftentimes we don't know how significant it is that Matthew, whose name is also Levi, not Levi, Levi, just if you want to know. <laughs> we don't understand what a big deal it is. Matthew slash Levi is a Jew. We know by his name. And he's also a Roman tax collector. So think about this. Matthew has two major strikes against him. One, he's a Jew who collects taxes. And tax collectors were notorious for being thieves. They would charge you more tax than you owed, send the tax that you owed to Rome, and pocket the rest of it. And some of them were really ruthless. You might as well have borrowed money from the mob. You were going to have to settle up somehow or another. But the other thing is, being a Jew and a tax collector, that made him look in the eyes of the rest of the Jews like he was a collaborator with Rome, with those pagan people who were in their country and had no business being there. So Matthew had these two strikes going against him, and believe me, he was considered by the Pharisees the same way you might consider somebody untouchable. He was unclean in every way, and they didn't like him. But Jesus walked by that day, and he looked at Matthew, and he saw something else. He didn't see a Jewish traitor. He didn't see a thief and tax collector. He saw Matthew. And he saw something apparently nobody else could see. We don't have a lot of information about him in Scripture. He pops up. His name comes up quite a bit. And his name is on that first book that we find in the Gospels. But we don't know much about him. Anybody know very much about Bartholomew, the disciple? No. Huh? <laughs> He's in two verses. That's it. He was a disciple, but apparently not very important or something. Or maybe we just, nobody could remember what he did. I don't know. But with Matthew, we don't have a lot of information. But we do have this part where Jesus calls him from among sinners. 
and doesn't say, Matthew, straighten yourself up and you can follow me. He says, come on, let's go. Of course, the Pharisees are not thrilled about this because Jesus is a rabbi and a Jew and he's telling this sinner, this filthy thief, this collaborator with Rome, come with me. Wow. Jesus knew something about Matthew and saw it that nobody else knew or saw. And he knew something about Matthew that Matthew himself did not know. And therein lies the rub. Matthew had a gift he could not see. Maybe the problem was that he'd been a, a tax collector and a collaborator with Rome for so long that he just gave up trying to be a Jew. We don't know. But maybe one day he looked at what he did and said, well, if they're going to call me that, and I can't be with them and with God, then I'm going to make as much money as I possibly can and live the good life. And they can all pay me taxes and I won't give them a dime back. No. But he had a gift. And for some unknown reason, Matthew was blind to that gift. He didn't see it. Only Jesus could. And maybe he believed for himself what other people were saying. Maybe he really believed, I'm a thief and a collaborator. There's no hope for me. But whatever it was Jesus saw, Matthew did not know it. And that's the tragedy of a church, any church you want to go to. Today, a hundred years ago, 500 years ago, it doesn't matter. You go back to those congregations and you'll find a lot of people who have gifts to share and don't even know it. They're not even aware of their own abilities to be a blessing in the world. But God saw it and God sees it. If you gave someone a gift, would you expect them to open it? Yeah, see, that's what sets us apart from Ireland. In Ireland, if someone gives you a gift, you don't open it right there. That's rude. You're being, uh, what would we call it, greedy. But for if some, you gave somebody a gift and they didn't open it, they set it aside for later, for us, that's insulting. Except at Christmas, then you're allowed to set them aside and open them on Christmas Day. But if you don't open them at least by Christmas Day, you're in trouble. It means you don't care about the gift. So suppose we gave them a gift and we came back several days later or a year later and it was still wrapped and sitting right where they had put it. What are we going to think? What do you suppose God thinks when we, we refuse to open the gifts he gives us? Because we can't see them. We're not looking for them. I suspect God feels the same way we would if that present was just laying there. And I think God is hurt when we don't open God's gift. 
Wouldn't you be? And Paul tells us this morning, we all have gifts and God expects us to use them in service to the whole world. And guess what? You don't get to stop until you die. Anybody here dead? Okay, I'm just checking. Thought I'd see. You, you can't retire from God's service. I'm real sorry to tell you that. But it doesn't work that way. God wants us to use our gifts all of our lives, right up until the end. We can't let them sit there and be unused because our gifts God has given us to make the body of Christ better. To make the world we live in better for everyone. You may sit there and say, I don't know what my gift is. Well, of course you don't. You haven't opened it. You've got to open it to find out what it is. Sometimes God hides it somewhere. You may not know this, but God has a really wicked sense of humor. Sorry, God. Sometimes God puts it someplace we don't expect to find it. And if we don't look, we will not find it. If you don't know what your gift is, of course, you probably haven't unwrapped it yet. But what if that gift calls you to do something and you think, I can't do that. I'm not capable of that. Let me tell you a story. Long time ago, when I was 18 or 19, I can't remember. I worked at Boy Scout camp, and I did that for a long time, really loved it. But it was in West Texas, and we had a merit badge called Pioneering. And Pioneering was, anybody here know what Pioneering was? Yeah. <laughs> it's a merit badge where you learn all your knots, all your lashings, and then you learn how to build stuff. I'll be with you in a minute, okay? Okay. You learn how to build things. And in West Texas, we want to lash poles together to build stuff. But in West Texas, all we've got is mesquite. Have you ever seen a straight mesquite tree? No. No, and you're not going to. But one year, so we would make little projects and do tiny little things and use tiny little lashings and all that. But one year somebody donated real pioneering poles. Well, I'm talking telephone pole sized poles and I'm not kidding. And they also donated some slightly shorter poles that were still pretty big around. And it was just this pile of pressure-treated poles to build stuff with. Only the people doing the pioneering and teaching it weren't building anything. Well, they were building like uh, kitchen utensil racks and lashing together a cot and some things like that. And I went and I asked them, I said, you know, guys, you got those big old poles. You ought to build a tower up to heaven. And they said, well, you know, they're really big and we're not sure we can do that. We're not sure we're capable of doing it. And I said, look, look at what you do know how to do. 
right? And just make it bigger. Take on those poles. You're going to have to think different. You're going to have to think bigger. But I promise what you know how to do will get you there. Well, we don't have, we only have eight foot ropes and those things are really big. Do you know the knot that you use to put two ropes together? Yeah, yeah, use it. You already have the gifts, go ahead. And they built some of the coolest stuff. They built a single lock bridge, which I'm not gonna go into, but it's a bridge you can use to go over creeks and rivers and stuff. And they got 25 scouts on that thing and it did not collapse. They knew exactly what to do and they did it. So when you have a gift in front of you, I promise I'll get to you in a minute, your arm's gonna get real tired. Does it, does it feel better that way? They weren't being stopped by what they didn't know how to do. They were being stopped by what they thought they couldn't do. They had all the gifts they needed and they could pull it off and they found out, wow, this works. A few false starts, but they did okay. But they were being captives to themselves. And Jesus came to make captivity a captive, so it would not hold us back. So I would tell you something real quick, and it's in the form of a challenge. If you think you have used all your gifts in the service of God and now there's nothing you really can do, you're wrong. God still has adventures for you to live. And there are still things about yourself to discover. And you're gonna find out that your life will be better beyond your wildest dreams. And there's no telling whose life you will make better. Amen. Come, let's stand and 